Already we have heard, God is at work, isn't that good? And about his reckless, reckless love. Keep that on hold, please. Today, the title of my sermon is, When Jesus Came to Town. Jesus Came to Town. His ministry, the immediate effects of it, and its lasting value. Now, that is a huge topic, I know. I've tried to find it down. I have found find it down. And the focus of my whole talk this morning is on the individual. That's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. And how Jesus dealt with individuals, how he responded to individuals, what his ministry consisted of, and how it affected the world. The society that he came into was a myriad of wildly differing ideas, values, philosophies, and religions. There were the Greeks, and they made sense of the world through intelligence and reason. You've heard the expression, it's all Greek to me. That's where that came from. The Greeks have given us much throughout history, but they weren't that good when it came to religion. The religion of the upper classes was philosophy, brain, not spirit. The religion of the lower classes were cults, and many of them, many varied cults. There were also the Jews, of course, which we know about, which were very factious at the time. They'd become very social and ethical rather than religious. The Pharisees went this way and added and added and added till they became so religious they were almost off the scale. And we know that because Jesus rebuked them for that very thing. And the Sadducees, that was another branch of Jewry, Jewism, sorry, they took away from the scriptures. And that's why they were sad, you see. Very bad joke, I know. They kept the traditions, but they couldn't identify the Messiah when he came. They couldn't identify who Jesus was right under their nose, despite many, many Old Testament prophecies. They had waited for him for many, many years, but they didn't recognize him when he came. There were the Romans, great superpower, ruling the known world with an iron hand under the law again. They gained their truth from the observation of life and nature and war. They went forth conquering, and conquer they did. They were fueled by power and self-interest. There were many, many different factions. Herodians, Hellenists, Zealots, all attempting to gain influence. Society was very divided. It was a time of great social unrest and moral confusion. And into this came our Lord Jesus. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 tells us, <clears throat> When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, to redeem them that were under the law. Right away, <clears throat> excuse me, right away we've got under the law. All of whom I talked about just previously, the Romans, the Greeks, the Jews, etc., they were all under their own various laws. He came to redeem them that were under the law. 
He came to earth at precisely the right moment in history that God had determined which would fulfill his master plan. That would fulfill every single one of those prophecies, and there are, many, there are hundreds of them in the Old Testament. He had to come at that time in history, otherwise all of those prophecies would not be fulfilled. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Along with that were great and precious promises that we all need to escape the corruption that is in the world. There we are again. The corruption, the law that's in the world. When he came to town, the crowds gathered. One of his first teachings was the Sermon on the Mount. People came expectant. They had heard about this man who was possibly a king. They were looking for release and freedom from the oppression of Rome. They were looking for a new king. But he didn't quite say it like that. He did talk about a kingdom, but his kingdom was not of this world. He was actually talking about a lifestyle and a way of living. Turn back to God. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was different. This was life from God's perspective. This was a morality and a priority that went beyond the letter of the law to the spirit. It was a very, very new and radical opinion, radical thing at the time. The Ten Commandments, which the Jews had lived with for all those years, talked about behavior, which is all good. Don't do this, don't do that, do do this, do do that. But Jesus went way beyond that and talked about the character that causes behavior, character that motivates that particular behavior. So don't look exactly to the do's and don'ts, but look to the why and the power and the reason. Very different from what was happening in the world at the time. The idea of treating others with love and respect, even the lowliest, was very, very strange. The political systems did not cope with that. Everyone was overwhelmed. They couldn't actually understand it, but they still gathered to listen because the spirit behind it drew them. He spoke with authority, but it was a very different authority from that of the Romans. And when he proclaimed himself to be the Messiah, ooh, that stirred things up. They didn't understand it, but they still flocked to see him. But the other factions against him also grew. Wherever he went, he never left a person the same. He always added some form of restoration, of self-worth, new perception, Many experienced miracles, which demonstrated his power, but he didn't do it specifically just to demonstrate the power. He wanted to make more believers. He wanted faith to rise. He wanted to bring individual people closer to an authentic experience of God the Father. His ministry was one of very radical change. A change of allegiance, first off. 
This is allegiance not to the government, not to the king, not to the emperor. He said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but to God that which is God. To a certain extent, it had all been won previously. But Christ as king deserves honor. Change of expectation. They didn't really have much expectation. They expected to live their lives and to die, and that was basically it. But he gave hope. He gave hope of a better life, and he gave hope of newness of life in life eternal. Very different. Change in values. Values of the kingdom reflect the values of the king. What mattered to him was life itself. In those days, life was very cheap. But he reverenced life. Mercy, justice, holiness, forgiveness, all concepts which were very, very strange and foreign to the society at the time. And a change of priorities. He challenged his followers to put the kingdom of heaven first, to help the poor, to live where possibly at peace with all men, trusting the Holy Spirit for guidance. All of those things, change of allegiance, expectations, values, priorities, all in the face of that grasping secular world with its very own rules. The immediate effects of his ministry were as follows. Acts 10.38 tells us later, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Very simple. He went about doing good. He gave hope. He was kind. Firstly, he responded in love. That's agape love. Compassion. Pure charity, if you like. Many of the factions that went before were hungry for power, and many of them got power, but there was no compassion out there. No love for the little man. No love for the wayward. No love for the ones who were hurting. But Jesus showed forth compassion. As we know, there are many stories in the word he responded to people's needs. He met their needs and in doing so glorified his father. It was pure love, pure charity. It's not always easy to love people, but he had an anointing for it and he brought people nearer to God's heart. He was always moved with compassion, always having mercy. Secondly, he released people into a higher quality of life. Many were healed in the physical, and we know those stories. But many were also healed in the areas of their emotions and in their spirits. Take up your bed and walk, he said to the man who had been lying by the pool for a long time waiting for help. But his help came not just physically, but spiritually. And to many, it's like a, that was like a metaphor. Take up your bed and walk. Take up what has been going on. Give it to him 
receive what he has to give and walk on. Even if you feel you are not able to walk, get up, take up your bed and walk. With the woman caught in adultery, he said, go, get up, go and sin no more. He released her into a higher quality of life. He released her out of what she'd been under, what she had been caught under. And she will always be remembered for that because the story is in the Bible. Your faith has made you whole. Many sayings like that, because of your faith, you're made whole. Physically, emotionally, spiritually made new. He never left anybody the same. He always added quality of life, something to hope for, dignity, touching lepers, delivering people possessed by demons. He just kept giving, kept releasing people into a higher form. He's the savior who will upgrade. The woman at the well, come and see what this man has done for me. Come and see. She was so completely saved that day, she just couldn't help talking about it. He lifted her up, released her into a higher quality of life. Thirdly, he rattled religious cages. Religion had replaced relationship even within the Jewish world. The rituals, the traditions, the rules, the do's and don'ts, the superstitions. But he did things so differently. Religion, as we know, strangles. But Jesus liberates. Religion is imposed from the outside. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. But Jesus releases from the inside. Christianity is organic. It's fresh. It's a new and living way. We are instructed to walk in it. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is now upon me, he said, to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is what he came to do. Finally, he revealed a new understanding of God and the kingdom through himself. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He showed forth the love of God by engaging with the world's pain and struggle and providing answers. He revealed himself to ordinary people and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God's kingdom had come. The lasting effects of his ministry is a huge, huge topic and I am speaking again on the 26th in which I will go into that in more detail. But I just want to major this morning on three, three things, three ways, major ways in which he affected the society he lived in and which had ongoing effects even down to our own societies today. 
In Galatians 3.28, Paul states, In Christ there is no Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Now that is a huge, huge statement and there's an awful lot in it. Those three major areas, race, slave or free, gender. Jesus reached out without partiality to people of every class, every status, every background, Jews, Gentiles, soldiers, the poor, women, children, the powerful, the powerless. He had something to say to all. Firstly, race and ethnicity, no Jew nor Greek. At the time, the Jews saw two classes themselves, and other. Sometimes we see that written, don't we? Others were morally unclean, spiritually lost, and those roots went very deep. But Jesus, though Jewish himself, broke through that. He shattered the caste system. He shocked the Jews. His gospel was for all. When Simeon blessed the baby Jesus, he said, Mine eyes have seen your salvation, which shall be to all people, the glory of Israel and the light to the Gentiles. All ancient societies assumed deep hierarchical differences between human beings. It was just how it was. There were slaves, there were women, there were foreigners, there were blacks, and they just didn't count. But God's love through Jesus, was proclaimed the same to all. The early church had a huge job confronting these established barriers. No slave nor free. His eyes, in his eyes, all had equal value. He healed all. He healed slaves as well as free. The belief that all humans were created in his image and had an immortal soul was absolutely revolutionary. And this is part of the reason why they didn't like him so much, was because he lifted up the small people, the little people, the oppressed people, the people who weren't taken any notice of. He preached submission and humility in place of that oppression and injustice that was going on in society. It was love thy neighbor under a microscope. Thirdly, gender. No male nor female. Ooh, that's a big one. In pagan times and in, even in those times, women, of course, had absolutely no value. They were chattels, they were property. Men, many men had several wives, often progressively younger. Girls were forced into marriage at a very young age with a husband that perhaps they never even met. It was a very bad situation. And of course, we do still see that in certain societies today. But the very first time this was broken through, the very first time women were given equal value, the very first time anybody spoke on their behalf, anybody in authority, it was Jesus. It was Jesus who did it. 
He brought an understanding of women and child rearing, childbearing and child rearing from the culture of the day, which was very, very different. Women played a major part in Jesus' life and work, and this is recorded in the Bible as well. They enjoyed his respect and compassion. Some were healed. Some served him on his way to his death. Some stood by him at the cross. Some assisted at his burial. And some were the first to see him when he was raised. Some went on to tell others. Jesus set a new standard for judgment. Gender did not matter. That persistent pattern of women being discounted by men, he attacked, but in a very gentle way. The Marys, Joanna, Mary at the empty tomb, they stood close by him. They didn't betray him like the men. They didn't deny him like Peter. They didn't run away. They did what women have always done, be consistent, love and respond to love, respond to the compassion that he had shown to them. So, in conclusion, we have found that Jesus came to a society that was very divided along socioeconomic, ethnic, gender, religious lines, <clears throat> and he went about doing good, simply showing forth kindness and love. He demonstrated his power, showing forth his might, but in a very understated way, that we, all people, might escape the corruption in the world. He brought revelation. He brought release. He brought hope. <clears throat> in those three major ways, he changed thought. And if you look back through history from where we are now, you can see how gradually, ever so gradually, starting with the early church, those three major changes began to infiltrate society, societies. Not finished yet, as Miriam pointed out. It's not finished yet. There are still societies where those principles, those cultures go on, as we know. But the Christian society, the Western society, has Jesus Christ to thank for those beginnings. The basic belief that humans um, have rights, individuality, and responsibility for their own eternal destiny took a while, and it all centered around him, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. Come to me, he said, I am your redeemer. Learn of me, I am your teacher. Follow me, I am your master. Abide in me, I am the true vine. What could we say in summation of all, all of that I've just said this morning? It is, he sought the one. He left the 99. He was always wanting to cater 
for the individual. That's you, that's you, that's you, that's me. Always looking to the individual for what he could do. He touched the world the way no one else did. He established God's kingdom on earth by his moral perfection and proved himself to be the power of God to salvation. He lives to transform us personally and to transform the world, societies, systems, powers and authorities. He's still at work, still at work, and his love never, never fails.